All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back here at the Boca Podcast with another, not only another episode, but a live episode. So first of all, for those of you who are watching live, uh, of course, you'll know that we're live both on Facebook, facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. And then currently we're streaming to the Photographer's Edit uh, YouTube page, which is facebook.com slash Photog's Edit. And uh, I'm joined today by some what feels like longtime friends, Philip and Eileen Bloom, return guests on the podcast. Welcome, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. I, I, it is funny when, when we do these live productions or even non-live productions and produce the whole thing. There's a bit of formality to the production process. And yet I'm friends with you guys. So it feels kind of weird doing that. Thank you for hanging out with me today. We'll keep it as low key as possible. Oh, and I muted you. Sorry. What? There we go. Now we're live. We're good. We're good. Oh. All right. Technical <laughs> issues. Go. <laughs> on, that, on that friendly note, Nathan, can I give you a little constructive feedback? Please. That intro music, it reminded me of the Truman Show. I don't know if you yeah, ever yeah, thought yeah. that. I just used... <laughs> so, so now I feel like I'm at some uh, deceptively idyllic oh, no. seaside dystopia. So <laughs> <laughs> One of, one I, of the but best here we are on reality TV, so it's perfect. Actually. It's very calming. It was almost putting me to sleep. <laughs> That's you know, it's funny you say that because I know a lot of it, the the trend is to have this kind of um, upbeat kind of hip hop right. music in the background, but it's so much the trend, and you pretty much hear it everywhere that it seems cliche at this point. So I actually yeah. like kind of mixing it up and doing something a little I bit different. I like it. I like it. It just puts you just in the zone. And I'm just going <laughs> to focus. I don't know, center myself kind of music. Not only is it a purple cow, but I think it lines up well with one thing I love about you, uh, Nathan, which is it's just kind of that that Zen vibe you've got going of <laughs> and that minimalist kind of feel. Yeah. I, it's perfect. I okay, good. It. <laughs> All right, good. Well, as long as you're not quite asleep yet. Um, and <laughs> it, it, it's, it is, I have to add this note too, just to kind of keep things personal. The, uh, my, my probably favorite music to listen to is orchestral soundtrack music. So I guess similar to what we're mm-hmm. talking about in this case, um, but it's especially so- when working. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Putting that in the background yeah. because I, I, I'm too analytical. So if I've got music playing with lyrics in the background, a lot of times I'm going to be a little bit distracted. I want to go there. So it's nice just to have something kind of soothing and calm playing in the background. Same and, here. Same here. We play the classical study music yeah, <laughs> in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spotify has got a, a variety of playlists like that. They're pretty great. But um, yeah. for everybody listening in, first of all, I just want to very quickly just pop up the Blooms website um, here on the screen. It's theblooms.co. And you can also follow them on Instagram if you go to just the Blooms, T-H-E-B-L-U-M-E-S, for those of you that are listening in. And uh, for those of you that are streaming, that are actually watching live currently, please don't hesitate to comment, ask questions, send us silly emojis, um, engage. We want to actually have a conversation. And so don't hesitate to take advantage there and send those comments in as we're chatting. But we're going to jump right into this podcast. Uh, I will add this little caveat. I mentioned earlier that I'd had you guys on the show before. It's been, it's crazy. It's been over three years, back in episode 87, actually. Can you believe that? When when you wrote that, that kind of blew my mind and made me feel very old. So thank you <laughs> for that as well. The, the gray hairs have shown up since the last time that we they did have. an interview. Oh, I, I was talking to Jill about this the other day. I mean, there you can't see it as well on screen right now, but they're all over the place for me. And I'm only 41. I feel 15. Nice so it's, highlights. It's weird to see them. Oh, yeah. That's what they are, technically, yeah. just highlights, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, a lot's happened in the last three years. I know the last time that we were chatting, we were actually sitting down at Show It United. 
Mm -hmm. One of my favorite photography conferences, certainly. And it was fun to do it in that live environment. But um, things have changed a little bit. We're not going to get a chance to actually be at Show It together this year. I appreciate you guys doing this remotely. But I want to... The format of the podcast has changed a little bit. In addition to adding video, we've kind of mixed up the questions a little bit. So I want to go and ask the questions I've been asking my guests recently. Ones that we didn't really touch on, I don't think, the last time that we chatted. Mm-hmm. Um, to get things started, and we're going to get into a topic which we haven't spent a lot of time discussing on the podcast, which is mini sessions um, and really how to maximize... There's probably a reason you've avoided that up until now. It's a, <laughs> it can be quite a uh, tragic ending when you start getting into mini sessions if you go the wrong route. Right. Fair so enough. Most, most photographers understand that and well, intuitively. And, and I, maybe, maybe this is before we get into brand position, which is really the, the first topic or question that I normally hit. Just briefly, if you don't mind, we shared your website, but, but um, as you're talking, I'm going to pull that website up here um, so everybody can see it. Talk to our listeners a little bit about your brand. Just briefly intro it, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're going to our website. Um, that actually was the topic that we were having uh, three years ago, Nathan was, yes. was website, first updating our website it, right? and the strategy behind right. that. Um, the funny thing about our brand is that uh, the face of it remains wedding photography, right? And yeah. and we do photograph weddings, um, but now it, you know, these days it is a portion, a small portion of what we do, but for a very strategic reason, it remains the kind of the upfront uh, facade of our business. Okay. Um, so that's that's maybe interesting to some folks, but we did start out as 100% wedding photographers. Um, we had no time to photograph anything else when we were in the early days, just overrun with bookings, and um, that didn't necessarily mean we were succeeding. A lot of people think, "Oh, I've started my business and I'm overrun with bookings now, it's success." And then uh, pretty soon, most photographers come to a point where they look at the numbers and they realize they are paying money to wear yeah. themselves out, yep. to to uh, try to keep a business going. And so that was our experience early on, was it was not a profitable wedding photography business right out the outset, although it looked like a popular wedding photography business. Um, so today, yeah, today our most of our work, the sustainable, mm-hmm. um, kind of life-giving, profit-generating work that we do as a, as a photography business is done through many sessions and it's done kind of behind the scenes um, in a way that just, well, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but it has just, um, been the engine that runs our business. It's been that, it's been the engine and it's really allowed our family to, to flourish in, in new ways we're so excited about. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. We're going to actually, we are going to dig into kind of the, not even the logistics, the, the model, I guess that you all have developed around mm-hmm. mini sessions. Uh, I'm also kind of curious to talk about how that model has affected your life, what it looks like uh, for you personally, as a family, in comparison to what it looked like when weddings were the focus, but we'll we'll yeah. save that. We'll get to that here in just a little <laughs> bit. We've got a couple comments coming in too. Um, right here, Kenny is saying hello from San Jose, and hey, uh, Kenny, good day. Yeah. And then and then Sean says, "Love the blooms." You guys ah, know Sean Shelly. from the Rock. We Dad know Sean. Yeah, talk that. Sean. <laughs> shout out to to both kenny and sean and again for everybody that is watching live don't hesitate on youtube on facebook don't hesitate to comment say hello ask questions as we go along and as they have the opportunity i'll pop those up on screen for those of you listening in 
Uh, make sure to follow us on social media at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast. And you can stay up to date as to when the next live broadcast is going out. Uh, we're getting... We're getting we're hitting this transition period, uh, Philip and Eileen, where we're going from the audio. We're catching up on all the audio interviews, and then moving to basically a ninety we'll call it ninety eight percent live format, uh, which is also cool. going to mean nice. a quicker turnaround time. So the schedule is coming to a head, and we're going to be a little bit more organized moving forward. But nonetheless, for everybody listening in, make sure you check out these live broadcasts moving forward. And uh, Sean says, "Y'all rock, all of you." Thanks, Sean. <laughs> You're super. I, I'll tell you, we had Sean on the podcast. Um, it's been about a month or two ago or so. He is one of Sean, and I have to say, shout out to Sean. You are one of the most incredible individuals when it comes to bringing energy to a conversation. I don't know if you guys have experienced That's that, truth. but it's infectious. It's awesome. Yeah. Energy and maybe that's almost just a side effect of something even deeper for that I see in Sean and love about him is he, he just has he brings a light um, like more than just excitement, but real wisdom and motivation. Uh, this past year, uh, so many of us have needed that. And Sean has uh, Sean has been responsible for bringing that light to so many people. Mm-hmm. So he's awesome. Yep. Totally agree. Well, and I have to say, and, and we'll, we'll kind of leave this because it's a much dip, deeper topic, but I have to say something else that Sean has done, um, it certainly changed my perspective, um, encouraged the beginning of a change, I should say, to not only my perspective, but the way that I'm thinking about business. Um, what Sean is doing as a business owner for the sake of community is mm-hmm. a really fascinating uh, conversation. We, we, we discussed it on the podcast previously. And uh, maybe Jill can link to that in the show notes for anybody who's curious. We'll, we'll make sure to link to that episode. But what Sean has done as a business owner, not just thinking about how to grow a business, but then how to leverage business for the sake of serving a community is something that right. really nobody else in the industry is actively talking about the way that he is. And I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to be part of his upcoming conference. And I want, I'm not just excited rock for the that. sake of being connected <laughs> to that. Yes, absolutely. Rock that. Yes. Not just for the sake of connect, a connection with his brand, but also learning what it means via Sean, how to serve a community through mm-hmm. our photography industry. I'm, I'm pretty stoked yeah, about that. Yeah, I love that. Totally. Cool. So, I want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Once we're back in person, we all got to get together. Absolutely. Well, and we're going to have to, we'll certainly be sharing the details of the upcoming conferences, uh, the Rock That conferences with Sean. But I, I want to keep going. We have a lot to talk about. Yes. Let's actually talk about brand position. Because this is a, well, first of all, this is a topic that's not discussed a whole lot in the industry. And in a noisy industry, there are a lot of photographers. Uh, and I don't say noisy in a critical way, by the way. There's just a lot of photographers talking about their businesses, trying to sell their brands to a potential client. I think one of the missing components to the conversation around marketing in our industry has to do with brand position. How do you communicate succinctly, briefly, what differentiates your business from the photographer down the street? So I'm curious how you all position yourselves as a photography business. Yeah, I mean, just... To piggyback on what you're saying, because I think it's so critical to understand, um, we have seen just socially, and you know, this market research is done to kind of bear this out. But over the last very short amount of time, over the last two to five years, um, really have seen this huge shift where uh, we had kind of the, the expansion of the internet. Um, Eileen and I were started our business right at. Before that, when you still wanted to get your business in the yellow pages, um, and uh, and so we had a we had a website when we first started, and we're like, oh, you know, we're special because not everyone has moved from the yellow pages to the internet yet, um, and and very quickly that became, oh, we can reach the whole world. There's no limit to our client base. To now, 
really there's a measurable fatigue, information fatigue, yep. and it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, human beings, psychologically, uh, mentally, biologically, we're not designed um, to be able to in- ingest and process what's going on in the world everywhere at all times. And it's actually, a lot of us are seeing it's, it's leading to many kind of breakdowns in social fabric and things. For a business perspective, we have to understand this as well because it will, uh, you can just think, well, the internet allows me to access anyone and I can just Facebook ads and so on and so forth. And, and why am I not succeeding? It's because that information is is doing more harm than it is good to potential clients now. And so our brand has really found um, over so, so many experiences, we've learned that it always takes going back to the core business foundational principles that you know business experts and marketing psychologists have taught for centuries. Um, these things are based on hum- human nature, um, and they do not change or grow old. So our our business is really focused on a local market now. Whereas we started out, like I said, in that wedding photography world of destination weddings, and okay. we just wanted to be everywhere and. Every, we want everyone around the world to want us and demand us. And, and we've got to experience some of that life, but um, the, the pros and cons of it. Um, but really realize that for sustainability, yeah. for, for scale growth, uh, personal growth, as well as business growth, sure. you, you can't uh, overestimate the value of, of local um, marketing being a part of your community. So I would say, how would you want to kind of answer that question in terms of, well, it's just about celebrating position. lives, right? Okay. Um, celebrating lives, at their most important moments. So whether whether it's newborn or whether it's a senior uh, graduating from high school um, or weddings, you know. So I think that was, in short, what our brand is and, and what our business okay. yeah. uh, so, does. So Helping families to- celebrate all those moments. Right. That makes sense. And I think it's interesting. So if, if let's just say your position statement or tagline was helping families celebrate life, for example, mm-hmm. um, it's, right. it's an interesting position statement, at least from my perspective, as I've spent a lot of time thinking through these position statements, because it enables you to not only be a wedding photographer, but also a family photographer. Mm-hmm. A, a wedding is the beginning of a family. And then you continue right. that with, yes. with actual family Follow photography. Follow them along in their yeah, life yeah. journey. So right. I think it's a position statement that's really interesting. But you mentioned um, well, two things I'm curious about here. So number one, I want to go back just for a second. Philip, you, you mentioned that Facebook ads can potentially be detrimental. Um, can you just comment? I know that's a loaded topic, but can you just yeah. oh, comment on that? Because we, we, we kind of skirted over that. and was like, wait a minute, let, let's go back. <laughs> well, so and it's, it is a loaded topic, right? Because I, I do want to <clears throat> um, probably give the caveat that Facebook ads can be incredibly effective, but the the moment we live in now, there was a time when I could play around and figure out Facebook ads, and now it's it's like um, it, Facebook ads managers become like ten times like the complexity of, of Photoshop, right? <laughs> yeah. That's we photographers can all relate to. It's There's a lot. There's too much to learn. Um, it takes a full time professional to really hone that and make it work. Um, you as a photographer running a business, that's not another hat that you. I feel like anyone wants to add. Sure. Um, you have to be an expert to do it right. So there are many elements. I can think of a dozen different elements right off the top of my head, like new art, the art of communication that you have to learn to really make those work well. Sure. And if you don't have all those um, kind of expertly battened down as you do your Facebook advertising, um, then you run the risk of just adding to that noise. Um, that I think you put it very well, 
uh, Nathan, that at the beginning of this, that it really becomes so much noise that you can just be paying money. That early experience Eileen and I had of advertising, throwing your dollars at this, throwing your dollars at that, seeing what sticks. Sure. Um, and that is one where you can throw them away very quickly without getting return uh, right. on it if you're not careful. Okay. That makes sense. You're right. It is, it is a lot and it's ever-changing and it, it's, it's a bit ironic in that you know, the goal of, or part of the goal of marketing is to stand out, but largely the goal of marketing really is to stand out amidst the so-called noise, yet because Facebook <laughs> has become such a popular platform, you're kind of getting in the middle of the noise too. So. Everyone's doing it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, we'll leave that alone for now. Eileen, something else, I w- I'm going to kind of push back when it comes to brand position just a little bit here. I'm curious to get your thought on this mm-hmm. and, and Philip as well. But um, so if, if you're celebrating family lives, this is a concept mm-hmm. or, or, or a, a notion that is relatively popular amongst photographers. I would assume there might be other wedding photographers, family photographers there in, in your market specifically right. that offer a service, at least with the same idea, the thought process behind it. So how do you differentiate yourselves with that type of a position statement around other photographers who might be saying similar things? Uh, well, we're all about, and I love, um, the book building a story brand by the way. Um, and, and so I'm always thinking of how, how can we be the guide? How Mm. can the customer or client be the hero? Mm -hmm. And, and for us, it wasn't about like, this is what we like, this is who we are. And, um, and if you're like us, then we will serve you. Uh, we moved more towards uh, serving people where they are, uh, allowing uh, them to be seen and heard, and that's what makes people feel loved and validated. So, so basically, just serving people where they are, um, and, and part of our mission statement is to celebrate lives and to reclaim lives where they're being destroyed. So mm. that's where kind of our um, personal projects and nonprofits come into play, where we can use our gifts and use, um, the success of our business to bless others who who wouldn't otherwise have the resources, um, to, to even thrive. Okay. And really, although there are a a lot of photographers in our market, just like anywhere saturated, um, we, we happen to be in a smallish market that has universities and tech colleges and, you know, popular art school, lots of photographers always every year, new wave of new photographers. Yeah. Uh, popping up, but um, but I think that as many of those are available to shoot anything, whatever you want, um, the fact that we are we have the the language to speak to people's deeper needs rather mm-hmm. than just oh you have you need photos we'll take those for you. Um, it's it's really a we're the rare photographer in the area who's a full service experience, meaning we're going to bring you in, we're going to help you. Um, Think about what what is it that you value about the photography? Can we turn that to physical artwork? Can we put that in your home for the purpose of, you know, as your children grow up in the shadow of this artwork, they they feel loved. They yep. know that they're they have the place of honor in your home and are featured um, above everything else. So having that language and offering that that full service of walking people through that by the hand um, is something we don't see a lot of, you know, especially among new newly graduated art students or something they haven't learned all of that yeah. service experience right. even though they might be great photographers well and eileen i'm glad that you you point out or you bring up this book in fact i'm, I'm going to actually share it on screen for everybody that might be <laughs> watching the live stream building a story brand one of my favorite marketing books one of my favorite business books honestly of all time 
largely, by the way, because it, it it's a minimal amount of fluff, if you will. A lot mm-hmm. of business books, you spend like 80% of the time just reading through filler language, and then they get to the right. point. And Donald Miller does a beautiful job of making this super practical. I'm actually in the middle. Uh, it's been a, I've been taking a long time to get through it, but Marketing Made Simple is another book that he wrote. Uh, in fact, right. I'll pull this up on screen really quick too for anybody who's curious. Um, but it, it's another great book. Again, super, super practical, easy read. And I can't recommend either of these books enough. So we'll make sure to mm-hmm. link to them uh, in the okay. show notes at Boca Podcast. Gotta read that next. <laughs> it's super. In fact, I'll, I'll get you guys a copy because I, I can't. I love building a story <laughs> brand, and this just took it like a step further as far as the level of practicality because he takes those principles nice. from story brand and weaves them into uh, the content for this other book. So anyway, yeah, highly recommended for everybody. I'll get Very you guys cool. a copy as well. Awesome. Um, oh, thank thanks. you, Oprah. I mean, Nathan, <laughs> you, get a book. you get a book, but just very quickly. And I know we're, we've only gotten through one question here yet, but I, I wanted to, what I wanted to say, Eileen, that I love, I love that you highlight his book because, and I was actually reminded of this, uh, as much as this morning, and I, I was watching a, listening to a, a Gary Vaynerchuk video while I was at the gym. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talked about was, in fact, they were talking about brand position, and the simple version, if, if I can sum it up, he, he was saying, hey, look, don't put so much weight on a singular message as mm-hmm. much as figuring out where you can meet the needs of multiple subgroups in your market. So if you just focus on one message to everybody, right. it may certainly resonate with certain groups of people, but then you mm-hmm. may be missing out on an opportunity to to serve other people. So if we focus instead, and I know I'm playing devil's advocate for myself here yeah, because I, no, I, I exactly. put a lot of weight on brand position, but um, the flip side of the conversation is what you highlight, which is if we focus on how we bring value to that individual that we want to serve, that we make them the hero of the story, a la Donald Miller, there is a lot, there's so much power in that. The cool, I guess kind of the ideal thing is where the brand position statement and is able to sum up our mission, which is then how we serve that particular client. But I, I, right. I love the balance there. Brand position carries significance, but ultimately at the end of the day, what really matters is how we serve people, how right. we meet their needs, and ultimately how we make them the hero of their own story. That is what's most important at the end. I love that. And I love the, a, a business that tr- that is self-aware enough, consciously trying to do that. Um, you know, We, especially as photographers running small businesses, we kind of are our business. So if we have, if we focus our business on that, for me at least, it has uh, reflected back and and forced me into personal growth. Um, mm. I don't mm. remember who who said it, but um, uh, one of these great business thinkers said, "You can you can um, you can uh, work on your business and you can make a living. Mm. You can work on yourself and you can make a fortune." And um, I found that. When you really focus on, you know, these, we know from research that speaking to people this way helps businesses to grow, but you don't just do that robotically. You do it authentically and you start to realize the reason that works is because seeing people as humans and seeing their value um, is just, it's it's a natural byproduct that your business would grow because you're treating people the way they should be treated. Mm -hmm. And then I've just experienced over years of doing that. It's like a, my, my business is a, is a practice for how to treat people every day. And it's just Mm. increasing uh, the value I think of our relationships and everything. Yeah. 
Definitely. Wow. I mean, we could we could spend a whole podcast episode just but, there because even as you're talking, yes. yeah, you know, I was thinking there's so many tangents we can go on yeah. with that. You know, just um, I, I like what you said about just the the growth, even just from meeting people, interacting with people who are different from you. You know. Mm just not unlike just traveling. Um, so yeah, just yeah. so much growth in that rather than just, just being in an echo chamber or just sticking to the, just the same type of people. This is where being small business owners, I feel like we are positioned as small business owners to change the world. And like, it really is a, it's more than a gig. It's more than paying your next bill. It really is. Uh, if, if you, if you realize that business is mission, um, it's, it's, I'm really thankful to be a small business owner for that reason. Yeah, well, and, and largely, I would assume you're referring to the way that we have on an individual level to engage with other human beings, for for lack of mm-hmm. a better phrase here, that we have the ability to interact with them on a kind of a, I guess, a micro level, and that we're able mm-hmm. to understand individually what their needs are and how we can more effectively meet them. And when you see that kind of snowball effect from many business, small businesses doing that very thing, the the impact that we can have in the world at large is quite significant. Yes, absolutely. Huge. Okay. Well, we're going to keep going. I, we, we really could go so many different directions here. You mentioned travel, Eileen, and I, I went back immediately to, to our conversation about Japan in the previous episode. Uh, yeah, Hi. so many different directions. It's <laughs> one of our great, yeah, great connection points. Absolutely. And we'll link to the, the previous episode for everybody listening. And if you didn't hear Philip and Eileen in episode, I think it was 80, what did I say? 86, 87? 86, I think. 87. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Um, oh, we'll make sure to link kidding. to that in the show notes, but let's keep going. So talk to me about customer service and, and I'm going to add the caveat here that for those of you, especially that are new to the book of podcasts, you might say, well, customer experience, this is almost like a cliche topic at this point. Everybody's <laughs> talking about it. It is. But I think one of the things that gets missed many times is the significance of customer experience, especially in the photography world, as it relates to the ability to build a business. A lot of photographers put weight on, you know, their editing style, for example, uh, when what they're doing in Lightroom with a preset versus mm-hmm. thinking about what is the actual end experience of the person that I'm serving. So to that end, uh, or maybe not necessarily related to photography specifically, but just as, as a general rule, your experience, y'all's experience as business owners, what would you say has been the most impactful principle for providing a great customer experience? Can I open that yeah. up? Go for it. So <laughs> when you're, as you're talking, I was kind of thinking of because we, we've been coaching photographers and, and helping them grow their businesses for a long time. And I see this pattern emerging. Um, I see this context in which most people think of customer experience and what that is. And it's why it's become so cliche because people think, well, customer experience is just the details that you put into your, it's your everything from your logo to what little, you know, parting gifts you give a client after, out the door. And those are like some of the details of client experience, but you can do all those things and you can miss the whole point. I think maybe maybe two of the ways that people try client experience, but it still seems to fall flat, is one, uh, kind of what you're men- mentioning. Like client experience means that I am the perfect artist mm-hmm. and that no one, no one um, you know, no, you couldn't go to any other artist and get the amazing experience. And we start to think of ourselves as we become perfectionists. Yeah. Um, and it can actually ruin your business because yes. like that, I have to spend three hours on that edit and then the customer will love me and they'll come flocking to me. And By the way, what three really hours is, is pretty conservative number too. I mean, a lot oh of my photographers gosh. like 10, 12, yeah. 20 hours even yes. on a wedding. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Oh yeah. And, and you don't even realize, you, you think that the, the more, it's like, it's like self-flagellating. Like the more pain I cause myself and the more 
time I devote to the hard work, then the more I'll succeed. And, and your customers are like, I don't care about any of that. I mean, the, the classic example is, and it's, it's why we found many sessions is kind of this weird genre that actually serves clients better than it, than we thought it could. Cause a lot of people will add, um, Oh, you know, our, our sessions are 90 minutes. Well, our sessions are two hours. <laughs> well, our sessions last all day long and we eat every meal with right. you throughout the day. And it's like, you're, we have seen that. you're oh, adding yeah. and adding client experience and it's not what people actually want. Right. They're actually like, I've got things to do and I haven't had dinner with 12 people on my list who I really yeah. care about for a, a year. Yeah. I don't really want to spend it with you, even though you're an awesome photographer. We make our businesses about ourselves. Like, we're so awesome and mm. you get to spend time with us. More time. What if we found, like, what is our client's real internal need? And when we yeah. met that. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, whether it's from editing to whether it's um, just like doing everything that a client wants. Like, the client, the customer's always right. So if they ask it, we we do it. We We'll discount that price. We'll mm-hmm. we'll customize. We'll we'll go to another book vendor and get that book that they kind of imagined instead of what we offer. And what we found is real client experience means kind of being like the life coach hmm. for your client. So life instead coach. of wow, okay, instead of uh, instead of just being the humble photographer, right? Um, okay. You are humble in the sense that you're not always talking about yourself. It's not about how much time you spent editing or they should feel bad for you because. Artists don't get paid what they're worth and think of all the money you've invested in your gear. Um, Instead, you don't talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. You focus on them. And if they have a a question, um, you don't immediately break down because they have an objection. Like, well, let me discount that for you. Instead, you're going to have a clear answer, but that always puts them at your concern for them at the forefront. So can I have the raw images? Um, well, in, instead of answering with a no, like, no, clients can't have the raw images. That's our copyright. That's what allows us to su- survive as a business. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Back up. Not about me. Oh, well, raw images um, aren't uh, processed. It's kind of, it gives us latitude as artists to um, perfect the images that you receive. Um, but you certainly can purchase the uh, fully retouched um, versions of, of images at this rate, it's on the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, or we actually include uh, the color corrected versions so that you don't have to sift through and um, or do that work yourself. We're full service. So you can actually get those included yeah. with certain artwork purchases. We want to make sure that all of our clients um, are insured to have lasting heirloom artwork in their homes that they can enjoy every day. So we're, we're talking about what, why do we have the policies we have in our business? We put them in place thoughtfully, and they're all. If we put them in place always with our clients' best interests at heart, it may not be what they think they want, but it's what serves them best. And so, being able to communicate that—that that to me is client experience, right? For them um, to see the value to them, not not the value to us, or why we need it, or why we have this rule in place, yeah. but what's in it for them. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I, I, as you were talking about the significance of that very principle. I was thinking about personal relationships too. Like the, the number of mm-hmm. times in, in my relationship with my girlfriend that I projected my feelings, my issues, my insecurities, ultimately my ego in one form or another right. onto our interaction and made assumptions that were ultimately hurtful to the relationship, whether I vocalize them or not. Mm-hmm. So it, it's funny how the same thing happens in business. It, it, it seems like a comparable experience in that we have a tendency as photographers, and certainly I, I'm, I've been guilty of this in business as well, 
where we project whatever our assumptions are onto that person, assuming that they, quote, need something, when the reality is their actual needs, their perception, their experience is quite largely different than what we are assuming. We can't mm-hmm. be so quick to project our assumptions, our, our needs, our ego onto our clients. We really need to be consistently and constantly asking the question, what do you need? How can I best serve you? And, and I love the way that you explain that too, Philip, the, you know, I, can I have the raw images? Let's not make it about us and talk about copyright, which <laughs> it's just going to fall on deaf ears too with most clients. They don't even understand that the, the principle speak to their needs. The last thing that I would want you to do is to have to go through and process images. Can I just, can I give you the, the, the finished images that are already processed for you so you don't have to spend hours and hours doing that? Oh, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Simple enough conversation, right? right? Because I'm speaking to how this could affect them negatively processing images for hours. I've, let me do that for you. going to give you a great finished product. And, and now I've addressed their need, not talked about whatever my ego, how my ego is tied to copyright and, and all the other things. Yeah, because as, as yeah. humans, we default to defensiveness, right? It's yeah. fight, flight, or freeze. This is survival instincts. So that's our default mechanism. We really have to be self-aware and, and focused on personal growth to overcome that natural default hmm. and become good business people as a result. Um, yeah, I think it, it, you just dis, it distills down to human rela- relationships, right? So you're pointing out whether it's a business relationship, that's yeah. another human being on the other side of that, mm-hmm. yep. or your person, your closest personal relationship. And what was it you said before? A, a, a question is not an objection, yeah. but it's a request. Well, for an, more... an objection oh, wait, is. What was it? <laughs> yeah, an objection is not a rejection. Rejection, yeah, but that's, it's a request for more information. That's that, that right? defensive feeling yes. we have. Is we, yeah. A client asks yeah. us a question and we're like, oh, like, shoot. Oh, you yeah. know, they must want this and that and I'll give it to them. They're rejecting yeah. me. No, it's just mm-hmm. they're just requesting mm-hmm. and you can provide that information uh, in a thoughtful way. Them. Right. That's good. Uh, wow. And here we are two questions in and like a half hour in. <laughs> we're going to have to keep moving. Uh, I want to respect everybody's time here. But speaking of, and a bit ironically, let's talk about time just briefly. I, I want to get your take, especially having a, a relatively large family. In fact, I, it was fun. Jill and I, uh, so everybody listening in, Jill produces the show for at the Boca Podcast, runs our digital marketing. And Joel and I were looking at the previous thumbnail for the last episode that we did with you guys. And then the most recent family picture that you posted on your Instagram, I think it's actually up here. I could, I can even, yeah, let me pull this up here on screen <laughs> and share it for everybody that's it's watching the, Easter. <laughs> the live stream. But yeah, the, the picture from Easter, beautiful, beautiful picture <laughs> in your family. But this is, this is great though, because it highlights the significance of this topic of time. And so I'm mm-hmm. curious how you all, is there a particular idea? And Eileen, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. A principle that sure. drives time management when it comes to running a business and also having family and wanting to just be able to do more than sit in front of a computer. Yeah. For for me, I have to schedule it in. I have mm. to, I have my physical planner and unless it's scheduled in, uh, it does not happen. Something else will al- always get in the way or this comes up and it's like, oh, I should just do this and that. Um, but if you stick to a certain schedule where you have boundaries, um, then then you can find that you have more free time uh, for yourself and for your kids and for your loved ones. So I'm curious, and th- I-, I, love that, I love the simplicity of that notion, and I would fully agree. Um, I-, I tend to treat my calendar... A- like, I mean, an absolute concept, right? Like if I put it in the mm-hmm. calor- it, calendar, it's going to happen. I'm committing to it. I share that calendar with who knows how many people at this point too. So they're seeing it. There's a bit of accountability there, but I've gotten mm-hmm. too many responses from photographers over the years 
or various people in the industry, um, or even in my personal life who are like, I'm quote too busy. Um, Mm -hmm. and to me, that's more a symptom of just not being willing to commit many times. They're not willing to actually put something in the calendar and say, I'm going to do that thing again, whether that's our personal lives or professional lives. Can you speak to the significance of that commitment and actually following through when it comes to managing time through your calendar? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a little I, bit of an uncomfortable know. smile. Yeah, I was like, um, <laughs> uh, for besides just scheduling, it's yeah. even just um, just making that mental like decision. I'm I, I'm just gonna get up. I'm gonna yeah. get started. Yeah, um, movement. The first thing in the morning helps the rest of my day so much. Movement and meditation, and that's mm. what that's what we preach is is first thing first hour. Uh, hour to two hours and even. Just as an illustration of that, so in our uh, larger photography community, community, mm-hmm. the shirt I'm wearing, um, we're, we, we're not overcome by onla- like uh, the digital online world. We have been too much in the past that we know to avoid social media craze and all that. But we are on social media every single morning with our community huh, okay. um, at 10 a.m. sharp. And mm-hmm. it's not a time when when Facebook is like has a lot of viewers or you're trying to like boost your numbers in a group or something, we go there because in a very authentic biological way, starting the day and having accountability is something we lack in the photography world. Mm. And we want people to have that. Mm. Um, so the first thing we do every single morning with photographers is movement and meditation yeah. that Eileen is talking about. Yeah. The movement and meditation. And, and I say that because when I do my movement, like when I just recently started running, but, uh, when I do that physical activity, it just makes me want, it, it motivates me to, um, do tasks and complete them, uh, do the, do it faster. Uh, so, so it's crazy how just exercising your body, your mind, um, can just help the other areas in the day, other areas of your life. Yeah, I guess a lot of it is just about a principle at the end of the day, right? A willingness to commit mm-hmm. to to something. And it can start with something as simple as getting a... I, I mean, I personally work out in the morning, to your point. There's something about I can tell, Nathan. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, there's, there's something about getting, to your point, Eileen, getting moving first mm-hmm. thing of the day. Yeah. Uh, before anything else, really, I'll, I'll take my daughter to school, drop her off, go to the gym. And I, it's invigorating, but there's something about mm-hmm. the, the, the discipline associated to committing to that act yes. and doing so, showing up consistently day in and day out that makes a really big difference. And that translates to other parts of the business. I, I think uh, it would just make, I don't, again, I don't want to kind of harp on this or spend too much time on it, but I, I've just, I've experienced way too much over the years, even with something as simple as, uh, photographers being willing to show up for like a, a photographer's lunch. Oh, it's, you know, 20 minutes mm-hmm. across town. I don't have time to to drive across town. Mean, meanwhile, they're sitting on Facebook wasting an hour or two or three hours scrolling right. on Instagram or otherwise. Um, I, th- I think that we just all as photographers, business owners, myself included, need to be willing to to commit to a, a guess more disciplined approach to managing our calendar. And, and many times it's just as simple to your point, Eileen, is putting it in the calendar and doing the thing, showing up for right. it. It makes a really big difference. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. On, exactly. on that note, though, of time management, talk to me a little bit about delegation. What have you all experimented with delegating in your business and, and what has had the most benefit? 
Yeah. So as far as outsourcing and delegating? Yeah, out- outsourcing or delegating. Yeah. I use both words here on the podcast only because I think over the years, there's been this kind of obsession with the, the term outsourcing. And a lot of times mm. outsourcing is associated specifically with editing. And the reality is, of course, we can delegate so many different things in our business. So sure. Right. There's um, overlap as well. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. Oh, one big thing is uh, house cleaning. <laughs> Nice. Okay. But, um, yeah, besides editing, we have our own roles so that we don't like just work all over each other. Mm. Um, he does mostly, I guess, marketing and emails. And, um, I do more of the fine tuning, um, like Photoshopping and, uh, album design, okay. um, things like that. So yeah, delegation in our responsibilities at least. Yeah. I, I just think back to the early years in our business where, we're we're looking over each other's shoulder while while each of us edits and and there was a there was a time and place for that right because sure it was good in that you know we were doubling up on all of our tasks when we had a sales meeting we were both present for it when we had a consultation we were both present for it we did everything side yeah. by side and it was good in that we were both learning each aspect of the business during that time but sure. once you kind of understand the business that you manage you have to um, as in you know a la the e myth. Uh, the entrepreneurial myth, this idea that Mm -hmm. um, usually people don't own a business. Most of us as photographers in particular, this is true. We don't own a business. We own a job, Mm -hmm. right? We don't have a boss outside of ourselves, but all we really have is a job and we're still doing all the technical work of that job. There's no room for it to scale. If it did scale, something would be out of our control and we, we would be scared to death grasping for that control again. So if you want a business that can actually grow without becoming overwhelming, then you do have to go from being a technician, being the, the worker in your business to being the manager um, of your business. And so that is where delegation comes in. And, and so for Eileen and me, it was delegating the jobs between each other. We, we are not allowed to look over each other's shoulder <laughs> um, or to give input when we're in our realm, unless it's asked for. And then, uh, yeah, things like, you know, whether it's the, the house cleaning or if you owned a business brick and mortar shop, you would have to hire um, you know, a cleaning service or something to, to take care of that. If, if we kind of treat ourselves as professionals and respect ourselves as professionals, we can find that we'll have more time to commit to growing our businesses hmm. every, each and everything that we're able to delegate out. Um, uh, so it, as long as we're focused, right, it, it doesn't do much good to pay for a lot of uh, folks <laughs> to do services that you can, right. uh, that they can, um, you know, someone can do at a lower rate than what yeah. your time is worth yeah. and then not work. So you do have to be focused. And as far as um, time uh, management, also stacking helps. I think that's the term it's called. So so just Tuesday, I'm going to do consultations. Mm -hmm. And Wednesday, I'll do headshot sessions Mm -hmm. and things like that so that you can just group it together um, uh, and just do back-to-back whatever activities for that particular day day instead of um, wasting time throughout the week. Yeah, it's, it, it's jumping from yeah. a type one type of text to the next within a relatively short amount of time. I think it keeps us in some cases from really focusing on the thing that we're doing. So if you can spend two or three hours one day on a particular type of task or a project mm-hmm. and then do a different type on a different day, I, I think there is some efficiency to that too. I'm also glad, yeah. Philip, that you brought up the significance of scalability. We talked about E-Myth, E-Myth Revisited, I think is the most recent version mm-hmm. of the book. And we've Mm -hmm. mentioned it on the podcast before, it it, it largely deals with how to scale a business. And Mm -hmm. to your point, it's, you're right. It's not, it's not about delegation for the sake of sitting around. Certainly it's, it's more about the ability to scale a business. We're not going to be able to effectively grow 
a business beyond a certain point if we're always trying to do it ourselves. And that's right. where- Right, well, because your time is finite, right? And 100%. all you really have to give to your business is, is your, one, your time as one human being. Um, and so once that time's run out, then your business is limited after that, unless you bring people in and are right. willing to accept help, really. There's yeah, there's that piece of it. And by the way, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about the significance of time. I also don't want to work 60 hours a week, even 40 hours a week on some weeks. I want to take right. advantage of the freedom and the flexibility that comes from mm-hmm. being a business owner and being able to delegate. Uh, but I, I've actually, it's, it's funny, Jill, my girlfriend, who also happens to run digital marketing for us, we've been having a conversation recently around this very topic. And it's an interesting one because her perspective coming from the education world into the photography industry um, working, you know, regularly working probably more like 50 hours a week and being the person to whom tasks are being delegated in some cases, mm-hmm. uh, had a, had a mm-hmm. kind of a different perspective. And she said, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, we, we think about this idea of delegation or we're talking about this idea of delegation for the sake of having a bunch of free time. But there's, the reality is there's a lot more to it at the end of the day. It's, it's delegation to a team, which we need to, certainly acknowledge and show appreciation for number one, but then two, utilizing that time, not just to sit around and watch Netflix, but also to, to be able to intelligently and intentionally grow our business. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what delegation enables us to do. It enables us to scale beyond ourselves, beyond what we're limited to at, you know, our, our own 40, 50 hours a week. We're able to scale more effectively if we're able to actually leverage a team, and that's important. Again, another loaded, loaded topic, yeah, which I'm exactly. sure you all could comment which on I extensively. Love. <laughs> um, yeah, but maybe we can come back to that another time. We've talked about books a couple of. We've mentioned a couple of different books so far. Do you all have another one or two books you want to throw out there? Self help or business books that you can recommend? One you're reading Cur- now, right? Currently reading this. Philip okay. had just finished it, but Essentialism by Greg. I can't say his last McKenna? name. McKenna. McCown. McCune. <laughs> Yeah, Greg oh, McEwen. I'm not go. reading that very well backwards. In the <laughs> monitor. Yeah, I'm almost done, but um, but yeah, McKenna's the guy it. who was like had the zoo animals. I, my mistake. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll trust you on it that so one. Far. Yeah, uh, but I'm loving it so far. Just just about. Um, so it says the dis- disciplined pursuit of less. Less is more. You know, just focusing on what's truly important instead mm. of being stretched in so many different directions and being ineffective. Yep. Um, just really focusing on the the few and the important. It's it's it, it, you you talk about that, and I actually have I'm holding up my phone screen here, and it's not going to come into focus. I don't think the, the camera's not focusing on it, but on on my lock screen on my phone. Um, I have uh-huh. my values listed, and I've talked about it in the podcast before, but one of one of my so-called values is, is simplicity. And not simplicity, I don't know, there's so many different ways you could define simplicity. When I think about simplicity, I think about focusing on what matters, to your point, mm-hmm. Eileen, and that book, the point of that book. Sean, uh, I, our mutual friend, Sean Austin from KISS, uh, actually mm-hmm. has yes. talked about that book, I think on this podcast before, um, and and highlighted the significance of that principle as well. It, it's It's easy to get distracted by mm-hmm. so many different moving parts in our business, especially as sole proprietors. And, and in fact, the, the ante gets upped when we do begin to develop a team because now we also have employees or team members to work with and, and think about delegating to. So many Whole different things art. to keep up yeah. with. Oh, it's so much. But at the end of the day, if we aren't focusing on, I guess if we're constantly reacting versus to your earlier point, Philip, being a CEO, being a manager and being proactive and intentional in what we're mm-hmm. spending our time on, we're going to get lost and we'll only be able to scale so much. Um, and I think a lot of photographers kind of function in that haphazard way. They lose sight of what actually matters. And so it's, we, we need to get back to that. Uh, it's super, super important. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And my main takeaway from, from this book is learning to say no. <laughs> really? Okay. So learning to say no to the things that aren't going to, um, enhance your life or, or other people's lives. Um, I think it's sometimes it's so easy to just say yes to people just because they asked you, but you have to really uh, measure that against what are my values? What is my, my end goal? So I think yeah. a really concrete example of that for photographers um, and it's one of the hardest things I, I can personally say it's one of the hardest things for me to learn. And now we see it over and over again with our students, um, our members in our maximizing mini sessions community um, is this lesson of not, not trying to uh, not feel that you failed if you don't book every single inquiry that mm-hmm. comes in. Mm. So in a sense, um, the, the style of mini sessions that we do turn turn normal mini sessions upside down, and they're not necessarily what um, people in the broader world think of automatically when they're when they're thinking of mini sessions. Their expectations. So you you'll get people who come in through this uh, through this inquiry funnel where you're educating them and making sure that they do know what to under, to to expect because you want to set clear expectations mm-hmm. for your client and let them know what the process will be. And then a lot of those will be like, oh, well, thank you for making that so clear. That's not what I thought, um, so I won't be booking. And that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing in the world for many photographers to yeah. take at the beginning is, oh, you don't want me? You don't want me? And so it's like a failure. And what we found is being able to um, – that's, that's qualifying your lead. So one of the things that we've gotten used to in our business to the point that it's just not hard anymore, it was really hard, is – basically turning away clients. It's like mm. we have had enough bad experiences to know that if we, if we get down on our knees and beg, if we give in and capitulate to demands and change our rates for a client, Oh, we booked them. We succeeded. Well, that experience ends up being a strain on the business mm-hmm. and a suck of our time and resources. Yes. That's a precedence, a bad precedence. <laughs> so being able to say no and be like, it was good that I say, you know what? The loss of that client was a, was a win. That was a success. And then all of a sudden you have this overabundance of time mm. and you still have oppor- you haven't spent all your opportunity costs. You have the opportunity for the right client to come in for your process to play out all the way and um and put you in some of the best experiences with clients you can imagine and um the most respect you felt from a client, people who do value photography. They're out there and it's a matter of how do you find them really? Well, and I think if we're clear up front, we talk a lot about the idea of a big picture view here on the podcast. And, and the thought process there is having a clear overarching set of goals, financial time management wise as well, and and making sure that the business is being modeled in such a way that it supports those goals. If you're clear about what it is you're trying to achieve, it's easier to filter out the stuff that doesn't matter. But if you haven't clearly established that to begin with, then you're naturally going to kind of haphazardly react to any and everything coming in. Mm -hmm. And I I know that I function as a business owner for a very, very long time without that clear kind of overarching set of goals. Mm -hmm. And while my business did fine, it's not that it can't be run that way. It's, It's just I missed out on opportunities, many opportunities as a result of not being clear and as a result, then not filtering what I was spending my time, my giving my attention to. So it's important yeah. to, to clearly establish that. Yet again, another big topic. Um, but I want to get to the one, the main one at hand. Here we are. Um, well, <laughs> well we into our interview. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I appreciate y'all's patience. This is the valuable stuff. Well, and, and we're going to get, let's, let's actually dig into this, this topic of uh, mini sessions. I, you know, there was, 
this past year, I, I don't want to belabor the topic of COVID. We've, we've all been there, done that. But I know that it's had such significant impact in our industry that, that the, one of those, one of the caveats, I guess, being that I know that your students, having taken some of the principles that you've taught about many sessions, were able to still run their business effectively, maybe even grow their business as a result of the principles um, that you've been teaching them with these many sessions. I, I, let's kind of rewind before we get to those principles, though. How did you all even get into many sessions in the first place? You pointed out that, that you were doing weddings, and that was your primary focus. Mm-hmm. What was the, the turning point that led to this? For us, uh, I mean, we were a couple years into our business full-time. And our, our business, you know, this is back in 2008, um, that we started, our that we started our business. Mm-hmm. It took off within a year full time. That's like kind of the dream, but it was actually a nightmare. <laughs> um, we didn't realize that, you know, we had to leave our other jobs in order to fulfill our clients demands on the calendar. Uh, we didn't realize that we weren't taking in less than we were expending to keep our business open. So pretty soon we realized that <laughs> and, uh, we we're like, how do we pay the mortgage? Um, of our, you know, we had just gotten married. It's our first starter home together. Um, how do we, oh my gosh, we're we're losing that much money. How do we even afford (laughs) trash? We, we cut all of our, we, we cut our trash pickup. So we would collect it in the carport for a week. And then I'd throw it all into the trunk of our Jetta and take it to the dump (laughs) once a week. And it, our car smelled like sewage. And it's like, okay, this is our life right now. We're living in sewage and we might, you know, and, and it's, it's funny now looking back, like there's an element of humor, but for us at, at the time, it was all of the stress and everything that m- many of us understand come with financial straits. Um, we also were dealing with personal loss. We were um, had a new marriage that uh, basically had no room for growth because we're isolated all of a sudden. Who can relate to that now? Um, but we were working around the clock trying to edit, learn editing and edit mm-hmm. and fulfill clients' orders on a timely basis, which for us was like twice as long as it takes now. Um, and, and just to do that, we were always side by side working, but we were staring into different computer monitors. There was no relationship. There were no time for friends. Hmm. So that was our experience. And then at the end of those couple of first years, we realized, um, you know, this is a failure. We have to, as exciting as we look online, we're going to have to go back to our day jobs. I'm going to have to go back to (laughs) teaching high school, um, playing pool boy during the summer. Eileen is going to have to go back to Starbucks and figure something out because this sure. is not working. One last ditch effort was we thought, okay, here's what we've been doing wrong so far. We've been trying to be artists and like recreate, imagine how a business is supposed to run. Imagine what pricing is supposed to be. Guess our best guess. Like what information can we collect by fake inquiring from another photographer and getting there? Like what can we put together? And we tried to put this business together and reinvent the wheel. And then we finally decided Eileen went to business school. What did those old fogies in the academic textbooks teach us? Let's take all of that and really hone it down in a way that is made for a photographer, specialized. And let's test it and see if it actually works. We can't do that with weddings because our weddings, you know, they're booked out a year or more in advance. Um, And so it's not like we had a chance to like try the business model. We said, we're just going to test this. It's our last ditch effort on, let's do mini sessions. (laughs) (laughs) Mini sessions are the bane of photographers existence. They will, they will, they will bankrupt your business and cost you so much time and deliver so little money and water down your brand. They're terrible, but we have no other choice. Let's test it with mini sessions. We can schedule them for next week. And so we put together this system based completely on, you know, no magic 
bullet or fancy thing that we concocted. It's okay. just like solid business principles. And that weekend um, of doing this process, we made $8,000 off of just under 12 sessions, I guess. So like 20 wow. minute sessions. Wow. And we're, you know, almost probably almost tripling what we were charging for a 12 hour wedding day at that point. Yep. And we thought this actually works. We're actually serving it people. Worked. We're surprised the, pleasantly. We've never seen a client so satisfied and happy to, and happy about giving us so much money. Um, it, we knew that it, we had, um, it, it was great cause we were giving over our confidence to experts and, and, um, instead of trying to reinvent that wheel. And so we ended up applying that, of course, the principles we learned to our wedding business, mm-hmm. but then only having to shoot like the few ideal weddings each year that we want. And then the, the real engine of our business behind the scenes running at all times were these mini sessions that were for us more profitable even than weddings. Um, so that, that was what led to us winning an official highest okay. um, or a, a fastest growing business award and all these things oh, that wow. were kind of shocking that that happened through minis. And how long ago was that? When was that turning point? That was 2011. Yeah. I think. Wow. So that was the first okay. time we experimented with it and, and have been teaching it at conferences and workshops. PPA had us do several PPA workshops in different States um, as it became obvious that this was kind of a little movement among photographers. Um, and then this year was wild. Like you said, Nathan, this past year, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, ma- maximizing mini sessions was something that we kind of developed realizing that weddings alone was scary to have all your eggs in that basket. We've even experienced years where half of our couples almost broke off their weddings. And we're like, what, what a fluke. Wow. But anything like that can happen. And everyone this year experienced that, yeah. like your weddings yeah. can fall apart. Um, and so having so the question that, kind of the, remains like, do you have a, a plan B like rather right. than as a business diversification, putting, right? exactly like mm-hmm. all eggs in one basket. Do you have other, uh, I guess is the, is the, have you limited your model in such a way that if the one thing doesn't work out, then, then you're stuck. Like you're, you're kind of screwed. Exactly. So like, and it happens to the best. I can tell you, mm-hmm. you know, some of our great friends who are the best wedding photographers in the world yeah. have had crazy fluke years. And so we yeah. realize you need that diversification. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So w- what would you say, if you don't mind sharing, like what percentage of your business is the mini sessions versus the weddings? Like at this point, I mean, you're 10 years in is, is the, are the mini sessions the majority at this point? More than half. Okay. So weddings we'll do, I mean, we'll, sh- we aim for like under 10 weddings a year now. That's wow. our ideal five, okay. to, five to 10 weddings a year. Okay. And we're shooting mostly like $10,000 wedding budgets now. Um, so that will be one part of our, um, portrait or wedding income. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of that is done from 20 minute sessions that do wow. indeed lead to full length sessions sometimes. But, okay. Um, okay basically a full length session. We are only going to do that if it serves the client's needs, if that's really honestly what they need. Otherwise minis actually provide for people's needs a lot better in a high percentage of situations. So many of our students are actually wedding photographers. And of course this past year, everybody had to pivot um, and mm. especially wedding photographers and, and those who tried it out for the first time, they're like, wow, this works. And it, what's great is they already had clientele, you know, past clients, um, that they could send out this email that they're doing mini sessions one weekend and they just book it up so quickly. I, what would you say, Eileen, and, and maybe this is kind of goes without saying, but I'm curious to get your take. What are the advantages from your experience shooting mini sessions versus weddings or maybe any other genre that you've, you've photographed? 
Mm-hmm. Um, advantages, I yeah. would say probably just being able to connect with more people and connect with our community because okay. there are many different ways that we do mini sessions. Okay. Yes, we have our mini session events that's specific to like fall mini sessions where you can, you know, get your Christmas cards and all that. But, um, but there are also other ways where we can partner with local businesses to do mini sessions where it's like a win-win situation helping each other out. So it's interesting to me that the first thing that didn't come to to the, the front of that list of advantages would be time. Like my assumption would be the fact that you can get in and get out, shoot it really quick and be done. Is that not still one There's of the biggest too. appeals? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. So I, w- I wasn't sure what, where, um, what angle you're going, but, but oh, definitely. No, um, no angle, just kind of curious to... in general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It appeals to short attention spans and that's what people love. They're like, okay, it's a low commitment on my part. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to do a session. Mm-hmm. What we found, this is really interesting. We actually did a survey to find out, you know, we're always, we're really doing stuff to find out what are people's internal needs? What is it? What can we speak to in our marketing? And the survey showed that the number one hesitancy that most families had about booking a portrait session was it had nothing to do with like, I don't know if you're, you're the best photographer for it or anything. What is going on in their heart and mind is I'm afraid of my kids melting down and embarrassing me in front of a professional. That was the number one thing. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, having a 20 minute, the last thing someone wants is like a two hour session, a 20 minute session in our um, experience is just gold. It's just perfect. Yeah. Especially for families with young kids mm. um, where, you know, kids walk away on a high. We have this experiential process we walk them through. So it's not just posing. Um, it's a, it's a real interactive thing and, the, and okay. it becomes an adventure for the kids to go on for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, so my favorite part is that a lot of kids walk away saying, I want to be a photographer when I grow up because that was the really? best experience for them. Um, and so yeah. the, you can imagine how parents want to come back to us again and again for that because there's a consistency and, and that fear is diminished, um, that they had in the back of their minds. Okay. Um, so that is, that's one thing, you know, we do families mostly for our minis and seniors, um, but a lot of our students are doing boudoir, pets, um, and different genres uh, as well. Um, but it, that whether it's kids or whether it's a grumpy, you know, uh, husband, twenty minutes kind of helps uh, everyone in that way too. Yeah, and I know we're short on time, but just to kind of summarize, we um, have this low entry point, so it's just a, a low session fee. Ours is forty nine dollars, but wow. then they only purchase what they want. There's no okay. minimum purchase, but we're all about. Um, serving them with the physical artwork. Hmm. Uh, so serving them in the best way, not just handing over digitals, um, although that is offered in our, our price sheet, but but really serving them in, in a way that really um, that they benefit um, from. And and then so, so yeah, so just low entry point and then sales on top of that. So we have an in-person sales session. Of course, this past year had to pivot that too. And sure. and we can still keep up our averages for online um, or virtual in-person sales sessions um, to where we have our averages still stay up there. Okay. So yet again, there's so many different directions I could go here, but <laughs> maybe just to, maybe just to kind of, I, I hate to even say some things up because it's such a massive topic, but right. <laughs> what would you, what would you all say might be the top, say three to five most important principles of a, of a mm-hmm. strong mini session? What, what mm. is, if a photographer is like, you know what? Okay. You've, you've kind of sold me on the idea that the potential anyway of this model, what would be kind of the next steps or at least the, the recommendations that you would make to them when it comes to developing a strong mini That's session? That's a great question. I, um, I might kind of break those three to five steps down into 
kind of categories and stages for okay. you to visualize them. Okay. Um, and, and I'm going to share, um, if we didn't already email it to you, Nathan, um, a link to uh, like a, a, some free documents and ebook that kind of lists out in, in great detail. Yeah. Um, maybe some that I'll forget right now. Yeah, I popped it up but on if screen I, if, if I'm pointing in the right oh, direction awesome. here, but it's, got it's it. up there in the corner for anybody that's watching live. For anybody that's listening, we will link to it in the show notes, but it's uh, bitlot.ly slash five tips for Max Minis. Uh, we will link to it in the show notes for anybody those that missed bit, that. Those great bit.ly links. Bit.ly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, five tips Max Mini, for Max Minis. Um, I think of it as kind of like your your pre-mini uh, sessions uh, strategy or tip would be uh, you've j- you've got to create urgency and scarcity. So this is interesting. You know, okay. practical I'm, I'm business. I'm taking notes here. Right? I've got a pen. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Urgency and scarcity. These are just uh, as I think Russell Brunson has talked about. People don't actually buy products or services. Um, products and services are available all around us. We're always making. Um, like our, our synapses are firing and we're deciding what to buy and what not to buy, um, how we feel at the moment. And what we, what everyone reacts to is offers. And that offer has a lot of times we're just like, we as photographers, we have a website. Yeah, please book me, book me anytime. Come on and fill out my contact form. I'll be here waiting for you patiently twiddling my thumbs. Um, when really many sessions do give this unique opportunity where it's not like, Hey, when's your wedding? Tell me when, when are you going to want to book me for it's, we are having this event. We're having Uh, this promotion on this limited time. Um, there's only so many spots available and there's a number of things you can put to create that sense of urgency, like book it, book up before it fills up. Um, and, and that all, all those elements of a good business offer. Um, so that's kind of on the front end. And then within the session itself, so you're on the day of the shoot, uh, I think one of those things to really maximize the session and, and see sales increase is to create a, not just a, a go for like that, that perfect one portrait, um, but create, we have this method that we call balloon posing that leads people through an experience where you create a few of these perfect portraits that is what you kind of hope they'll choose for above their mantle. Okay. Um, but all those interim moments, creating a lot of variety, um, being free as a photographer to create a, a lot of just on the fly photos that aren't going to win print awards that aren't mm. perfect, but speak to the emotion and the connection of your subjects. What we found from, you know, nearly, uh, 12 years of hundreds and hundreds of clients in person sales. I, what I've loved best about doing in-person sales all that time is just sitting there and listening and learning what people mm. are thinking mm-hmm. and yep. hearing them tell you what they're right. thinking. Yep. The the ones that your clients value the most are not those award winning right. print competition. <laughs> Nine images. times out of ten, <laughs> the ones they value the most are the ones that they see that expression in. They see that authentic moment of joy. They see the connection, and so you will see your print if you're offering the right kind of products that allow people to order more of those moments. You'll really see those pri- those um, sales increase as well. And then the last thing I would say is, oh, go before ahead. We, yeah, before we keep going, if you don't mind. So when, when you talk we'll about that. We'll say that as a little nugget at the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, we'll definitely get to point three. I'm just, as a follow-up to that, though, when you talk about the, the variety of poses that cater more to what clients actually, what will actually appeal to clients versus what's going to win a you know, print competition award. How did you, mm-hmm. was it just simply listening to those conversations that enabled you to put together a list of poses that were most effective? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a list of poses. Think of it this way. Okay. Um, over the years, there's so, when we're culling our images, right? We can all imagine this. I'm culling my images and I'm like, oh, 
Uh, I'll leave that one out. Oh, I, I kind of, I need to have more images to show them though. I better just leave <laughs> that one in for them to see, I guess. Okay. At the beginning, that was us, right? Okay. And then we find out those images that I just barely decided to leave in are always their favorite right. images. Okay. Maybe I'll leave more of that kind of image in. Oh my goodness. Like it doesn't have to be a perfect composition. They're not looking for that. Um, so a lot of those images that maybe wouldn't be uh, blown up as an enlargement on their wall. Mm. There are products that they fit in an album or something like that, where um, you need those in between moments. You need those. When people look at their images, they're looking for a feeling, not for, you know, the 12 rules of a print winning competition. Okay. Um, so, so putting, allowing, not only allowing more of those to stay in, but creating okay. more of those types of images intentionally. Um, just having create, how do you people, Oh, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like, when I'm directing, as a photographer, I'm not just posing people anymore. I'm directing them. Um, uh, and scenarios. What we call balloon posing, which the shorthand for that is we'll kind of inflate and give positive feedback to create a perfect, um, that perfect image, this kind of building uh, and energy. And then once that you can't hold it together anymore, we'll pop that pose, we'll call it. And we just let it go to rot. So, for example, okay. for the family, it might be, like, oh, you know, your kids are such little angels. Look how perfectly they're sitting still. Oh, that smile on their face. <laughs> and the kids just know that something exciting is coming because I've told them beforehand to to get ready for these surprises. Oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, we're perfect. And they really are perfect. So we mm-hmm. get all these perfect images. The kids are obeying because they know they're about to disobey. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, now, now attack your parents. Now tickles. Now hugs. Now, um, you know, sort of uh, describe this or that about your own family and who is the one in your family who represents this person. And, and there's these, these interactions that once you put this into motion, the pose, the pose that you started with is, is done for. You're never going to get back to that. But you've waited until you've gotten all the shots you needed and then you just let it explode in intimacy and, and interaction. And mm. you, get, you just go in there and you can just at that point be trigger finger, right? And just get a lot of close-up emotional moments that become so valuable to that, to that subject. Okay. That's interesting. Literally. I mean, you might've seen me looking down. I've, I've got a notebook and I'm taking notes <laughs> here, but so we started with the significance of urgency and scarcity prior, uh, prior to the session, of course. And I, I think there's yet again, another topic we could, we could kind of follow down a rabbit trail, but it, there's an interesting amount of control innate to being able to set your own schedule for these sessions versus oh, yeah. being strapped to yes. a particular date for a wedding. Uh, which I'm sure encourages this notion of flexibility as, as a business owner as well. But urgency, scarcity, Absolutely. number two, uh, the way that I kind of summed it up was just direct <laughs> scenarios versus focusing on individual poses. And I know that um, you share more of the details of how you go about that process um, through your course, but uh, that's an interesting concept that I think it, it gives us the opportunity as photographers to play a little bit too and not, not mm-hmm. kind of beat ourselves up or hold on too tight to the situation. Just kind of let scenarios play out. That's kind of cool. Uh, okay. So then you said there was a third concept. What was that? Yeah. I, if I was sort of time stamping them to chron- chronologically, the last thing is, um, is the partnerships that we create. So this is the marketing strategy, right? So once your fall, many sessions are over, if you're going to have that urgency, and you're going to have that scarcity, then you can't just announce many sessions every weekend because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. then people know they're just always available. Okay. And there's no motivation to book now, right? Okay. So although we only publicly announce many sessions once or twice a year, you always fall, sometimes spring and fall. Okay. Um, we actually have many sessions playing 
kind of like on on replay behind the scenes at all times. And that's because um, through our, our local marketing strategies, we have partnerships with so many businesses. It, it was fun to do a really strange um, kind of a remix on our normal um, community marketing strategies during okay. COVID. Okay. And uh, we and a lot of our students in the group actually uh, created a program where businesses were pr- uh, promoting our mini sessions, our safe one at a time backyard mini sessions when weddings couldn't even be photographed. And and money um, from those sessions was actually going back to help businesses that were on lockdown. And this was before there was even any government help or anything. So it was like it was what was wow. keeping businesses alive. It's a it's a it's a mix on a strategy that we usually do to raise money for charities. Okay. Um, so our mini sessions are constantly giving back to the community and and becoming part of the ecosystem of our community that way. So that's. That's the beautiful thing to me is that um, whether you're giving back to your community or like in our case, I remember when we were adopting our son um, and we, we were like $10,000 short right at the end of being paper pregnant. And we're like, we, we're supposed to be going to China soon to meet our son and bring him home. And we're able to schedule like, okay, let's do, let's do many sessions for adoption and, and supply the needs that we had for our own family as well as the community. So that's, that's where it's just been a beautiful thing that um, I think just... Uh, emotionally for us, we're just so connected to the beauty of this business structure and, and how it keeps us going. And I know we don't have time to get into it in detail, but when you talk about the, the, the marketing strategy as it relates to partnerships, can you tease that just a little bit? What, what yeah. does that, at least the beginning of that, that process look like? Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's about three different major methods that we do, but let me just hit on one for as sure. an example. How many of you have kids in elementary school and um, they come home with like a pro- promo about uh, go eat at Texas Roadhouse tonight mm-hmm. and the school gets 15 percent of your, <laughs> right. you know, of your ticket goes yeah. to the school. Yeah. Um, so sadly, they don't normally do that with sushi places. I don't know why. But. <laughs> I, wouldn't that be even better? They get a better return on their dollars. Well. <laughs> yeah. um, but the a variation on that would be if we have these really lovely gift certificates for um, for a free mini session. Um, and really, you know, as we mentioned, the, the session fee is not what we're making our money. Um, if we're the, this is counterintuitive, but the greatest sales strategy is to give something away. You build trust immediately and then you prove yourself. You prove that you're going to give a professional experience and you're going to be trustworthy and come through. Why do people pay like these huge session fees for pictures that have not even been produced yet? Mm. That's why it's so hard to book people for photography. It's like, I'm going to pay you all this money up front and I don't even know, I don't have, I have no value or context for what the product's going to look like. Um, So what we do is if you can give away your sessions and we have real estate agents, orthodontists, um, other businesses, like giving away our sessions for us and basically booking them for us. And when they come to us, we never have cared about that $49 session fee. Call it an advertising fee. It's a very minimal advertising fee. Okay. And then our averages now, you know, if they're a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars per family who comes through a mini session, then we're very happy to have those just keep coming through wow. on on the conveyor belt. Wow. Okay. Ah, uh, man. See, I mean, like we're what are we now? Like an hour and tw- sixteen minutes in? <laughs> And we barely even scratch the surface. Um, I, but in all seriousness, I want to respect your time and everybody that that's um, chimed in, listening in, um, whether it's in the audio afterwards or video now. We, uh, you mentioned earlier the link, and I'm going to actually pop it back up on the screen here too. 
tell our listeners a little bit about some more of the information that they can get about this approach to mini sessions there at that link. What, what kind of information will they find? Yeah, that's an easy way to find Eileen and me and just hopefully connect with us. And um, even if you just want to take part in our up and Adam uh, photographers meeting every morning, yeah, um, yeah. you'll find us, you'll be able to find us through that. But th- this is actually, um, it's not like a three page uh, three tips kind of ebook. I, I don't, this is, you know, dozens of pages of in-depth information about wow. the structure of our business basically. Okay. Um, and how, how it has worked for well over a decade and, and, a lot of people have come on and kind of restructured their businesses around it. So when you download that um, right now, because we're actually coming off a really rewarding year of um, helping people transition their wedding businesses, especially to this model. Sure. Um, and then we're, we're doing occasional um, video classes as well. So okay. you can download this. It's, it's free ebook, free information. Um, you'll have it forever. Um, but if you do download it now, whenever your podcast goes live, mm-hmm. Nathan, um, then there should be a link. Um, if it's not too late, you'll see a link to also um, sign up for one of our uh, web classes as long as we're doing those. Okay. Um, so it'll be kind of some video education to go along with the ebook as well. Brilliant. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't been to the link personally, but I, you've definitely compelled me to do so now because I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to get that ebook and take a look and see. Um, awesome. It really yeah, we'll more see of the there. details that you're that you're talking about. So I appreciate you sharing that. And for everybody else listening in, uh, I'm also going to, or watching rather, I'm going to pop back up the, the Blooms uh, right here on the screen. The Blooms.co is their website. And uh, then we'll also pop up their Instagram handle here. It's the Blooms, T-H-E-B-L-U-M-E-S. Uh, we've got that there on the screen. We'll put all this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, I want to say thank you guys once more for taking extra time <laughs> to hang out with me today and share all this information as well. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you, Nate. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.